Thank you for queuing up the podcast. Before we jump into this episode, did you know that I am the author of a number of books, 16 of them as a matter of fact, and my most recent book is called The Power of Affirmations and Positive Self-Talk. And if you don't already have a copy, I encourage you to get one because in it, I'd share a little bit of my personal story and the role that affirmations have played in my life. I go into detail about why affirmations and positive self-talk are so powerful. I give you a lot of best practices and then several pages filled with the most powerful affirmations on a variety of topics. The book is available in paperback and ebook formats on Amazon in more than a dozen countries, pretty much anywhere that books are sold online. And if you'd like to get an autographed copy, along with a copy of one of our music CDs, there's a link in the show notes to learn more about that. Again, the power of affirmations and positive self-talk. You just might find it to be another great resource to inspire and empower you. And now, enjoy the rest of this episode. Welcome to the Affirmation Meditation Podcast. This is Season 2, Episode 9, and I am your host, Bob Baker. So on this episode, I'm going to do something a little different and feature an interview with my friend Nancy Nye, who had a pretty challenging 2020. Uh, She experienced something that she refers to as betrayal trauma, and it resulted in some pretty low points in her life, especially early in the year. But the good news is she climbed her way out of it using a set of tools that she discovered along the way. And it led to her realizing her value and discovering a deeper meaning of self-love, nurturing, and just taking care of yourself. So I hope you enjoy this enlightening interview with Nancy Nye. So joining me on Zoom right now is my friend, Nancy Nye. Hi, Nancy. Good to see you. Hi, Bob. It's so good to see you. I haven't seen you in a year or more. And so, yeah, so you posted something on Facebook a month or two ago, something about self-love or rediscovering yourself and you're in a positive space. And I knew that there was a story here that I wanted to share with my audience. And so that's what I like to dive into. And I don't even know all the details of your journey. So I know we're going to, I'm going to discover this as we, as we chat here, but first let's establish that we've been friends for several years, I believe now. Uh, And our connection is primarily through, uh, through improv comedy and the performing arts. That's safe to say. Um, Yes. And you taught me a lot about musical improv and I just really admire the classes that you teach and the way that you spread, you know, the skills and benefits of improv at, in St. Louis. So oh, cool. Thanks. Yeah. And you've been in a couple of my, some of my shows. And then we also did this thing called playback theater that we were in, both in, involved in. So our paths have crossed and we've performed t- together a number of, a number of times. And so it's safe to say, I know you've had, uh, you haven't made, I don't believe you've ever made your living uh, from acting or, or, or improv. I think as far as I know, you've had like traditional day jobs, but it's safe to say that that's an important part of your life. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, um, I do. I've always had a, a full-time gig, uh, you know, with a company. So no, I've never made my living by that. I have done some commercial acting and there have been years when that goes great. And I have a whole bunch of extra money from that. And then 
other years when that mm-hmm. just completely dries up and I, you know, I don't force it too much. And, and just lately I've been trying to only do things that bring me joy and that are not too stressful on me. Um, just because I'm trying to manage the amount of stress in my life. <laughs> and I think that's going to tie into what we're talking about here. Yes. <laughs> um, and so, uh, and so basically I know that, uh, and a year ago, um, around the very beginning of 2020, I mean, the, well, the, well, the world was shifting by, you know, February and March, there were obviously, there was a pandemic happening with the, which affected all of us, but you had some things in your personal life that took place and you just mind highlighting some of those. So yeah. we kind of, we know yeah what context we're talking about here yeah um so 2020 for me was a horrible year not even including covid so forget covid ever existed if it never happened i would still say 2020 was a very hard and pivotal year for me and i'm i do want to share this story because i am by far not alone i've talked to so many people that have had the same situation, it is way more common than it should be, which is so sad. But back in January of 2020, my husband told me that he had been having an affair with a friend of mine, and that had been going on for close to a year. And right after that, he, a few weeks after that, he moved out um, to go be with this person. So I was experiencing a lot of trauma from that, a lot of betrayal trauma. And then a series of (laughs) events happened in 2020 that just um, piled onto that trauma. So that that beginning um, of 2020, you know, that was bad enough. But then, for example, two weeks later, my car broke down and it was going to cost $10,000 to fix. And I had to go buy a new car like within three days. Um, I had a mammogram that came back suspicious and I had to go back to the doctor and get a, a, an ultrasound to make sure everything was okay. Everything was fine, but at that point, enough things had been going badly that I was terrified and I was sure that that was going to come back. You know, I was sure I was going to have breast cancer because of course, everything else in my life had been just going not great. And then a few months after that, um, I lost my job because of COVID. I was part of some layoffs that happened. And had you been at that job for a while? Uh, I had been at that job for about five years. Five years, yeah. Now, I was extremely lucky, and I managed to get hired back on in a different department within, like, four weeks. So, again, but at the time, it was like, you you know, Bob, when you when you are experiencing trauma, things that are normal, like my dishwasher broke, I I could not deal with my dishwasher breaking. Um, So I washed dishes by hand for like six months because I just, I had had so much trauma that my bucket was full. You know, I think of it as like, my bucket was 95% full. So something small, like my dishwasher breaking, I was back in that trauma state again. And I knew about a couple of these things. And so it it occurs to me that like two of the biggest areas of our lives that are part of our, our our identity, like who we are is our, well, it's our personal, our family life. And it's quite often, especially if you have a full-time job, whatever that is, that's part of your identity and losing one or the other can throw you off. (laughs) 
but losing both of them within a matter of months i mean i can just see that you would feel lost like who am i i don't have my the family that i was used to for the past however many years is now and up you know there's a lot of upheaval there my i don't where i how i make my living has changed i mean this is a lot right right <laughs> yeah. i i read this book um called transitions i think it's by brian Creel, and um he calls them life quakes so when you have these big giant things happening in your life it's 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 a life quake it upsets your whole life mm -hmm. and in the book he says that most people have a life quake maybe every three years every two years you know i was having life quakes like <laughs> one after the other now just add on top of all of that covid happens oh yeah and all of a sudden we're all terrified of getting sick and and we're quarantined and and honestly for me at first it was kind of the the quarantining and then not having to go to an office was almost welcome it was like okay my life is going to slow down and i almost embraced that now i i'm not still embracing that i want to get back to normal life but <laughs> the COVID thing for me was not the thing that made 2020 an awful year by yeah. any means. It was kind of there and I, you know, abided by all the rules and everything, but it wasn't, it was small peanuts compared to what the, all of the other yeah. things that were going on in my life. At that so time. is it safe to say that this was kind of a low point of your recent adult life? Oh my gosh. <laughs> like maybe it, the low point or? Well, I, you know, I, I don't know if it's a low point or if it's just a hard, it was just a hard stressful transition. Yeah. Um, a lot of good things happened. Um, and we're going to talk about, you know, my journey to finding more self-worth and, and how I kept myself afloat during the past year. But I see it as a big pivoting year, a big transition year, but also a year of kind of coming into my own power in terms of stopping being a people pleaser and starting to put myself first. Wow. So that, you know, when I look back at this past year, and certainly I've survived, I won't say unscathed or unharmed because, you know, I, I struggle with every day my feelings of self-worth, but I am so much closer today than I was a year ago, six months ago, even. Cool. So let's talk about that journey. I, I'm, I'm sure it was uh, baby steps and you probably went, you know, two steps up and then fell back down again. But what, uh, what steps did you take? What did you have any tools? Were there books that you referenced to just self-awareness? Maybe yeah, yeah. tell me a little bit about that process. So immediately after it happened, I was in that um, trauma state and it was very um, physically debilitating. So, and I didn't expect that. Um, I didn't expect that I physically, you know, I immediately got like a bladder infection and, you know, I just was sick in every way possible. And then I started to do yoga in the mornings. And this really was key for me um, to get me out of bed. I would lean over the side of the bed and stretch go straight into a down dog and just do whatever felt right for that day and that morning. And that was the first thing that got me out of bed every day. Of course, I, I have two kids that are teenagers, so I couldn't just lay in bed all day and feel sorry for myself. I had to, I had to get up. I had to be there for them. I had to 
not put on a brave face, I won't say that, but I had to show them that this is not going to ruin our lives, that we are going to move on and we are going to do the things we need to do. And yes, I'm going to make you lunch today, you know, and I will get you to where you need to go. And I will continue grocery shopping and all of the things that you need, you know, to do for kids to provide them with a stable home. I also, though, Bob, I will have to say, shameless plug, listen to your affirmations regularly. And and I'm not even joking or I'm not buttering you up to say that, like, there were many days when I just laid on the living room floor and I would turn on one of your affirmations on YouTube and just listen to you saying, oh, I'm going to get teary right now. Oh, my gosh. I would just listen to you saying, like, you are worthy, you are enough, you are, you know, you are whole, you are loved. And, and I would just do that as long as it took. <laughs> wow. I don't even think I, I don't know if you've, you've shared this with me. Maybe you did in a text real briefly, but I didn't realize. Maybe, I don't know. I probably should have told you sooner, but. Oh, that's awesome. Um, there are many times, you know, that I just felt the weight of it on me and I had to just calm down, uh, breathe, you know, breathing is huge. Mm -hmm. And then those affirmations. I also would listen to, um, another podcast that does sleep meditations, um, Mm -hmm. to fall asleep. I had to do that every night for probably like three weeks to just fall asleep. Um, just listen to someone with a calming voice, Mm -hmm. just saying you're going to be okay. (laughs) Basically. Awesome. So you what that and so it, it should be pointed out. So a lot of people when they're faced with those traumas will just sort of like throw in the towel. Um, but you realize there were steps you needed to take to switch your mindset, you know, and start and, and lead to a, a new chapter or whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah. Then, so you took the steps to seek those things out, which many people don't do. You know? Right. I mean, it, at that point, it was kind of a, a survival tactic. I had to yeah. sleep at night. I had to get to sleep somehow. I had to yeah be okay for my kids. And by okay, I don't mean happy. I mean, just be a functioning adult. And when you're in that trauma state, the thing that causes that trauma is that you immediately feel unsafe. Mm -hmm. And so I had to find a way to feel safe again. And, And those tools helped me. I also went to see a therapist. I started seeing a therapist. And then I later found a different therapist that really um, specializes in betrayal trauma. And that was super helpful as well. Just the act of talking it out to someone whose job it is to sit there and listen to you (laughs) and hear everything you have to say and give you some tips and tools and how, you know, what to do in the next situation. That was also super helpful. So I would, you know, if anyone of who's listening is going through any kind of betrayal trauma, I would highly recommend seeking out a a therapeutic professional who, you know, maybe you only meet with them once a month, but at least it's um, someone else to talk to who is impartial and who will give you helpful advice without taking sides or getting into the drama of your situation. This seems like a great time to take a quick break from the interview and just remind you about a service called BetterHelp which has been a frequent sponsor of this podcast. And basically it's an online service that will connect you with a licensed therapist from anywhere in the world using your phone or your computer. So like we were just discussing, speaking with someone can be incredibly helpful. 
You don't have to power through the challenges and the low points in life alone. You can seek out help. So if you're open to that, I recommend that you go to this website, betterhelp.com forward slash Bob Baker. And if you do end up using the service, I will receive a modest commission that won't affect your rate at all, but it will help support this podcast so I can create more episodes. So again, to learn more, visit betterhelp.com slash Bob Baker. I'll also have a link to that in the show notes of this episode. All right, let's get back to the interview. So it was, it was yoga, it was affirmations, it was seeking out, um, yeah, a, a counselor or, ther- or therapist that you met with, I mean, I don't know, once a week or something like that for a while, perhaps? Yeah, absolutely. I think at first it was once a week, and then it went to about once every other week. Now I meet with her maybe once every other week or once every three weeks. And yeah. we still, you know, I'm still processing this and working through the ramifications of what mm-hmm. happened to me. So it's not like I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, I don't think you'll ever be done, you know, oh, no. learning, learning how to love yourself. But I think through um, all of that, I also read a ton of books. I read probably 10 books in the past year that are all different angles of how to be okay and how to love yourself and how to recognize that you are the best person to love yourself. You are your own soulmate. You know, isn't it a different uh, or a difficult lesson for a lot of people to learn this self-love? Because people, I think we automatically, well, there's so many different factors that play into it. We think that nurturing yourself is self-serving and, and then we're, you know, depending on what messages we got growing up for our family and, and, and friends, you know, that can influence our, our young minds related to our, our own personal self-worth. Um, yeah. And so did you have those? I mean, so you're not alone, but did you, you struggled with those or looking back, do you see how there was, was there maybe a lack of appreciating your, yourself and nurturing yourself? Well, I think um, working with my therapist, what I learned was that in my family of origin, I was probably like the people pleaser. I was mm-hmm. the one like doing all the things right so that nobody would be upset. And so when you're taught that young, and it's not that my parents did anything wrong. My parents are wonderful, lovely people. I had a very happy childhood. Mm-hmm. I didn't have any you know, abuse or anything in my childhood. So it's not that anything went wrong. It's just, this is what, this is the way it happened. And so what I recognize as an adult is that being a people pleaser gets me into situations where I then become resentful of, of having to do things for other people. And mm. so um, I read something just the other day that was like, um, if you can live through the moments of uncomfortableness in telling someone, no, I can't do that for you or, or no, I can't be that for you. And you can, if you can get through that, then you will have a life that where you don't resent people for, you know, oh my gosh, I'm the one who took out the trash the last 17 times. Why don't they ever take out the trash or whatever? That's just like a life example. But, you know, I think if you can stop yourself from being that people pleaser, you can get to a point where you're pleasing yourself first. Right. And then if someone else is pleased by your actions, that's great. If they're not, 
that's that's not your responsibility. That yeah. that was a really hard lesson for me to learn. And there's a uh, there's an example that's been used a lot by people talking about the importance of self care, but it's the whole the instructions that you're given uh, when when you're in a commercial airline. If we lose pressure, you know, when right. the mask come down, put one on yourself first, so that yeah. then you can help your your child or your parent or, or whatever. So and so that's a great metaphor or analogy Absolutely. for and and i think you know related to that if you can't love yourself you can't give love to someone else correct yeah. and i had been in a relationship with someone who quite obviously could not love himself and so you know that bled over and you know caused a lot of things to happen and and i see that as one of the main triggers of being in the situation that that we were in and it's i i fully believe that if you can't love yourself, you really can't fully give love to someone else. So you, so it, this is work we all have to do to learn yeah. to love ourselves in order to be there and be present for our partners, for our children, for our parents, you know, for anyone, for our friends who we truly care about. And so what are some practices that you, or you can recommend that you in, engaged in? So it's, it's, it's one thing to say, I, I now realize the importance of loving myself, but was there, is there specific things that you do, activities, um, journaling, I don't know, any, any, anything you can share in that? Regard? Yeah, yeah. I did journal um, a lot during the past year, and I got to a point where I, I didn't want to do it anymore. So I right. stopped. But I know a lot of people do journal. Journaling was great in those really hard times because there's a bunch of stuff I wanted to say and I didn't have anybody to say it to. So writing it down, actually, I didn't believe it at first, but it did. It did the same. It, it had the same benefit mm -hmm. as if I was telling someone in person and I could write down whatever I wanted and not care, you know, that anyone, you know, cause I knew nobody was ever going to read it, but me, but what was interesting was writing it down. And then maybe a month later, going back and reading what mm -hmm. I had written and seeing like I made progress or I didn't make progress, whatever. I still, I could see growth and change and, um, or, or I could see, oh my gosh, I'm still in that headspace. What am I doing here? Why am I still here? Mm -hmm. You know, what do I need to change now? A lot of the affirmations that I, I have a bunch of post-it notes on my bedroom mirror, um, with all of these affirmations on them. And a lot of them I've just memorized things like Brene Brown. Um, I am worthy of love and belonging. Like that is a big one for me. I am worthy of love and belonging. And, and it sounds weird to say, like, I need to say that to myself, but I, I say it to myself. I am yeah. worthy. I am worthy. There's another one that I love and I can't remember where I found it, but it basically is, oh, I know where it was from. I read some books on Buddhism and I read a book by, um, I'm going to say his name wrong, but he's a famous Buddhist thought leader. Thich Nhat Han, I think is yeah. his name. Yeah, I, might, I, know you, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. I think I'm saying it wrong. But anyway, I read probably three of his books. I love what he writes. But but one thing he, he a little mantra that he wrote was when you're feeling something that's overwhelming, to say to yourself, hello, emotion, whatever it might be. Hello, sadness. I realize you're here. I will take care of you. And what I love about that hello, emotion, I know you're here, I will take care of you, is that a lot of times we feel we're feeling sad or we're feeling grief or whatever, and we don't, we want to push it away and we don't want to feel that way anymore. And what he's saying is to welcome the emotion, whatever it is, 
to accept it and to know that I will take care of you. I will do what I need to do. If I need to cry, I will cry. If I need to, you know, go smash things in the backyard, I will do that. Whatever I need to do to feel this emotion and get through it, I will do. I think that has been another one that's really gotten me through a lot of times. Uh, Just naming the emotion is so big for me. Um, And I still do it today. I still um, just, just two days ago, I was feeling very anxious, very overwhelmed. And I just stopped and I said, I feel overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And it's not that my anxiety immediately went away, but I did immediately feel like, okay, that's a real thing. You are, mm-hmm. you, you're, it is okay to feel that and <laughs> you will get through this. You know, yeah. I don't know what it is about naming it and recognizing it, acknowledging it and letting yourself be there. That is helpful, but that's, that's super helpful for me. That is so, that is so such a, a great point. And, you know, so I've known, you know, a lot of people know me, you know, f- f- because of my YouTube channel is, you know, positive thinking guy, or, you know, I'm always encouraging people to focus on the good and all this stuff, but that does not mean that you should repress or suppress any of the negative. I still readily acknowledge that there are challenges in life. There are people that do things that are, they shouldn't be doing, you know, and we have to, so we don't like bury our head in this in the sand we acknowledge the challenges without like making them a part of our story that doesn't serve us so yeah so acknowledging when you're feeling those things i think at the same time you're acknowledging them you can you can maybe uh, look at them as an observer instead of saying i am angry you say i'm feeling angry right now so right. you're and then you're noticing it naming it but not embodying it to where you know i am anger right <laughs> you know? right there's you know? there's you know, a comfort in knowing that this is a state of, of feeling, but it will pass. Yeah. I read another thing that said that feelings only last for, I'm going to get this wrong. I can't remember how many seconds, but it was like 20 seconds or something. It was a short amount of time. So if you're feeling a certain way, you know, it might just be that you need to feel it and sit it out and it will probably pass. Yes. <laughs> now, I don't think that applies to when you're in a trauma state, but I do think oh, sure. that applies to somebody cuts you off in traffic and you get angry. Most likely 20 seconds later, you're going to be yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah, they're all... There are always extreme exceptions. Obviously, if you use a, if you lose a parent or a child or even a pet, yeah, uh, you know, yeah, you're not going to be getting over that or brushing it aside. But those are kind of the rarities or exceptions. I think most of our lives, the traumas that we face are pretty non, you know, inconsequential. <laughs> Like right. Said, no, the, my dishwasher breaking should not. Yeah. Put you see me the way she looked at me at the party. You know, that's just right. not something <laughs> that you need to give the same weight as some of those other those other things. And we have to each decide what weight we're going to give those things when they really that important um so this is awesome um so and i'm curious too uh like i've been we we both have taught improv improv comedy but the more i teach it and for many years now i've realized there are a lot of life lessons i'm just curious have you have you been able to apply any improv principles to to getting through this or or to see your life in general off off the stage yeah yes so many um you know just the first basic rule of yes and not that i (laughs) want to yes and all of the things that happened to me but now when something bad happens i often will sarcastically say yes that is exactly what i wanted to happen like Mm -hmm. yesterday the trash can fell over 
and I knocked it over and I just went, oh yeah, that is exactly what I wanted to have. I wanted to pick up trash today, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, so just that concept of turning something bad into this is what I wanted to happen. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I think the concept of listening has been very key for me and, and especially starting a new job, which I started um, at the beginning of September, you're trying to learn to be with new people where I've never met these people in person. We're all working over zoom. It's just weird. And so, you know, the listening skills come, come into play really, really big time, but listening to myself has, mm. has been important to me as much as listening to other people. Now, when we're on stage in an improv show or improv rehearsal, we're really focusing on listening to that other person, but the way that I've used that for myself is, is really listening to myself. Yeah. Well, self-awareness is, I think the first one of a big step in trans in transformation is being aware of your thoughts, being aware of how you're seeing the world. What's the perspective here? Yeah. Um, and, and one thing I learned through, an, again, another one of the books I read um, <laughs> is that feelings come from thoughts. And so now this is that person's theory. I don't think feelings always come from thoughts, but if you follow that line of thinking, when something bad happens, you can, you can sit there and go, okay, I'm feeling really angry. What happened? So-and-so said this, you know, if you're lucky, you can trace it back and go, oh, so-and-so said this to me. And that made me think they don't care about me, which made me feel angry. Mm -hmm. It's not that simple. Of course, you know, in our daily lives, things are much more complicated, but I've often stopped myself and said, oh, wait, I'm naming my feeling. I am feeling sad right now. Well, how did I get here? And I can often trace it back to, oh, this one little thing, this text message triggered me to think these thoughts, which then triggered me to feel sad. Yeah. You know, um, and it's not that doing that makes the feeling go away, but it does help you realize, okay, I'm not just moody. I'm not just being dramatic, there is a reason I'm feeling this way. It sheds the light of awareness on it, which can also often, is it dissipate? That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. <laughs> awareness of our own thoughts is, is huge. Yeah. I what think am, I, what is the story I'm telling myself, what am I saying to myself? Yeah. Um, and that's another Renee Brown, you know, method is what is the story I'm telling myself about this? And sure. especially um, in dealing with other people, um, if something happens and you don't agree with it and you've, you figure out that I'm telling myself a story and maybe the other person didn't intend it to come out that way at all. So they're telling themselves a different story. Yeah. Yeah. They have a, they have a different script. (laughs) I was a, or am a big fan of Wayne Dyer. He passed away uh, five years ago, but his, yeah, his um, actually have have a book coming out probably in early April or late March uh, called the power of affirmations and positive self-talk. You may have seen me doing a little cover voting thing on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. Um, and in there, I talk about how, yeah, his, his book, the, er- your erroneous zones was the first kind of self-help eye-opening perspective that I, that I got, but he, he often, uh, he was, I heard him many times in his talks say that, um, like anger doesn't exist in the world or jealousy isn't a thing that you can go get a bucket of, you know, it's simply a perception that human beings are, are making up in their, in their mind. Yeah. And it comes from our thoughts. So I, I do believe I've written for many years of, there's a process of you can control your thoughts 
first it's the first step is monitoring your thoughts like just being aware of how what am i thinking about these things because i used to at a younger age in my teens just think they were just there's there's the thoughts in my head that's who i am i'm feeling uh i'm feeling unworthy (laughs) and and lack of confidence that must that must be who i am it's not my reality so i can choose my thoughts which then can affect my emotions and my emotions then trigger like the actions that i take and how i show up in the in the world and then that eventually influences the results the outcomes in my life so your circumstances are your of your life are really i think a result of your the way that you're thinking i still on that uh journey of self-discovery i think well it never ends right it never ends it's a daily you know when you asked me to do this podcast i thought well i don't want people to think that i'm just all good now because (laughs) you know it is it is such a process and it's a daily sometimes moment to moment you know self-talk and affirmations and you know reminding yourself that you are worthy you are worthy i believe every person on this planet is worthy of love and belonging. I firmly believe that, but we have to remind ourselves and, and the, the best person to do that job is ourselves. Beautiful. We cannot rely on anyone outside of ourselves to do that for us on a regular basis. We have to do it for ourselves. And when you first started telling yourself those messages, did it seem, and I don't know when that was just in the past year, or if you started years ago, you know, in other times of your life, but did it feel like uncomfortable or silly at first? I think a lot of people experience that with affirmations in particular. It did, but you know, I was so, um, I was in such a trauma state and I was so low emotionally that I was willing to try anything. I was like, I don't care if this is a bunch of not real, I'm just going to try it. And I put up all these post-it notes on my mirror so that every day I would see them. And now, you know, they've been up for a year and I, I see them, but often I will fixate on a certain one. I mean, there are probably 20 post-it notes on my mirror, Bob, but I will, for some reason on every day, I'll look at one and think, oh, yeah, that's good. I <laughs> I should think about that today, you know. Not in a in a prescriptive way, but just it just those messages come to me when I when I need them. I believe that. Yeah. Like they, I I notice the thing I need to hear that day. They probably work on a subliminal uh level too. Let's hope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Any other tips or anything that we didn't cover uh, yet that or advice that you have for anyone going through a I would just remind people that of all the reading I've done about betrayal trauma, it is one of the very hardest to get over and work through. And I just wouldn't minimize that. You know, if you've been manipulated, lied to, cheated on, and it's so very common. It's so sad that it's so very common. I can't tell you how many friends have come forward after knowing what happened to me and said, oh my gosh, can we have lunch? This is happening to me. And I've given away some of my books to those people <laughs> like of course let's talk you know just validating their feelings i just wouldn't underestimate it. it it is important to deal with the lessons you're learning from that um so that it doesn't get repeated and and not saying that it's i'm not saying it was my fault but certainly i can do things that protect me from being with that type of person again so mm-hmm. just do what you need to do to get through your day. And maybe it's a moment at a time. Maybe it's a day at a time. Maybe it's a week at a time, but what you are the person that's going to have to save yourself. You are the person that's going to have to love yourself and 
you, there's no one out there who is reliable enough to give that love to you. It has to come from you. That is the, the message that I've learned. I used to, um, you know, love to get flowers, but I would never get flowers from anyone in my household. And I love flowers. I love having fresh flowers in a vase on my dining room table. Now I buy myself flowers. Oh, beautiful. Every time I'm at the grocery store, I buy myself flowers and I don't feel guilty about it. At first I did. I felt so guilty. Like, oh, I'm spending money on flowers and they're just going to sit in a vase and die. But now I'm like, nope, these are essential. I need these. I need these in my life. I need to look up and see these bright, beautiful colors and these beautiful flowers every day. And so I no longer feel guilty about buying myself flowers. I love myself enough to buy myself flowers. That's a beautiful message. Yeah. And the more you love yourself, the more you're able to love others and serve others. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's wonderful. Wow. What a great note to end on. So Nancy, thank you so much for uh, taking me up on my offer to talk about this. I know it's, a, it's very vulnerable for you to, re- to talk about these, these things, but I think it's going to help a lot of, a lot of people who are going through a, a similar situation. I agree. And, and I really hope that anyone who is going through the situation understands that it's not their fault and it's not anything they can control, but it is a catalyst to get you to um, get to a place where you can work on yourself and love yourself more. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Nancy. Really appreciate it. And uh, take care and hope to see you in person before too long. Yes, please. (laughs) Yes. And Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you did, I have a favor to ask. Go ahead and share this with three friends right now. Certainly, you can think of two or three people who could use an inspiring message. You know, there's so much negativity and bad news in the world. Why not be a source of positive vibrations? I'd greatly appreciate it, and your friends will appreciate it even more. Also, if you're able to leave a podcast review on whatever platform you're listening to this on, please do so. That could very well help the podcast reach even more people. Thanks a lot. I think you're awesome and have a great day.